and we are live with living the guide life today just got back from turkey camp just down in southeast minnesota we uh had a couple guys down there doing some turkey hunting a little fly fishing for the weekend and uh i was fortunate enough to go shoot my turkey shot him friday morning and uh some of the other guys they had opportunities but we're gonna say they uh might have missed a few shots and uh it was good. We had a ton of fun. Turkeys turkeys weren't as active as we'd like them to be. It's a little bit cold up here in Minnesota right now. So, I mean, we were working with, I think, the first morning we set up, it was like 17 degrees out, which they call on the roost, and then they're kind of done with that. And that's kind of what we dealt with the whole weekend and made with what we had and got some stuff done, but it was a blast all around. <laughs> and today... We are brought to you by Chasing Fowl Outfitters. So we are starting to book up here, and we're looking to make sure that if you are trying to get up and hunt with us, make sure to do it now. Shoot me a message. I have my information in my personal Instagram, and you can go check that out. Shoot me a call. Shoot me a text, whatever it is. Um, we're going to be open, and kind of things are starting to book up, so we want to make sure you guys can get ahead of the schedule and get that locked down. We'll also be at Game Fair this coming August, so that'll be a lot of fun. I hope to see some of you guys from there. I know a lot of people are traveling traveling around the country to come experience Game Fair, and it's a great time. There's a bunch of great people that are going to be there. It's always fun. Bring your dogs, walk around, do some dog training, buy dogs, check out new calls, new decoys, whatever it is. Just a really, really great atmosphere. So we'll be there. And the special guest we have on today will also be there. Mr. Lee Chose is on, and he is the owner of Boss Shot Shells. He has done some phenomenal wildlife photography work, and he is a Minnesota native. So it was super fun to get to sit down and chat with him about what he's kind of seen in the past years on how Minnesota's changed up a little bit. and what his thoughts on are on certain things. Um, super neat to hear about Boss Shot and how everything works over there and kind of his thought process on what happens and what they need to do to, you know, make the best shot out there. And I was able to experience them a little bit when I went out to South Dakota and hunted with those guys. Corey brought some Boss Shot along, and uh, he showed me what it really means to shoot Boss. So it was really fun to see that and experience that. So. I hope you guys enjoy this one. It was a blast talking to Lee and uh, have fun. And we are live with Living the Guide Life today. And we have Mr. Lee Chose on, a well-known photographer, owner of Boss Shot Shells, and is a local resident right over here in Minnesota where we're from. So, Lee, how are we doing? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing well. Just uh, got back from snow goose hunting with Corey Lofer from DRC. and uh... <laughs> Oh, the, the blonde Viking? Yeah. <laughs> isn't he a, isn't he a, oh, he's like one of my, my all-time favorite people, for sure. Oh, yeah, he's. He's a blast. He invited me out there because um, we were going to do some stuff with the podcast and then do some hunting with Northern Skies. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, he's. That? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was just a hoot out there. 
<laughs> Where were you? Did you did you go to South Dakota or are you in North Dakota? South Dakota. South, yeah. Yeah. I think they're in North, no. Well, yeah. maybe not yet. Yeah. I they're uh they're running too long. Yeah. No, not not too long. I think they're gonna run in South Dakota, you said, till like April second or something. Hmm. So killer. Yeah, it was fun. I mean we got we got after them on the last day pretty good and watching them snows come down was just unbelievable. Yeah. Did I, you mash them? Yeah, we uh we had, had a good mash. Yeah, we we did good. We uh we had eleven clients out with us and shot forty seven. Um could have shot a little bit better, but you know how that goes. Always. <laughs> yep. But for sure. It was fun and I kinda wanted to hear about your story on and how you got into photography, boss shot shells and all that kind of good stuff. Mm. Well, I got, I got into, uh, photography as a young boy, my dad and mother had a small hunting and fishing lodge in Northern Minnesota. Okay. And my dad was a major, like traveling sportsman. Yeah. He was in the fifties. I mean, kind of like traveling when. It really wasn't a thing yet to do, you know, but mm -hmm. um, when I was young, he started to take me with him to, you know, like Manitoba and Saskatchewan and Alberta and all the Dakotas and Montana and Kansas and Nebraska. And so when I was little and I'm talking, you know, eight, nine, ten, by the time I was a young teenager, I had been you know, around quite a bit, not really knowing that I was around quite, I never knew that, but I had been. And I always loved the wild places that I got to see. And I, I suppose I just wanted to remember them and bring them home with me. So I started to take pictures with my dad's old Minolta rangefinder, mm. and one thing led to another and I just never put the camera down and, you know, and then <clears throat> when I was, I don't know, probably in my twenties, I was pretty good. <laughs> I was getting pretty good at taking pictures, you know, I mean, better, Yeah. you know, I'm still getting better. So that's, that's fun. <laughs> and then, I don't know, you kind of dial in your craft and my love of, like I say, my love of, wild things and wild places is what made me like keep going i mean i i had all the all the inspiration i ever need needed came from my mom and dad and and wild things so i just that's pretty much it and then like one thing happens you know you get a break here and break here and a break there and you maybe take advantage of it and here we are like you know, decades later, yeah. <laughs> still shooting, you know? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's yep. awesome. And, uh, yeah, I mean, boss shot shells, how did you get going with that? Um, Brandon Sarecki from Bridgman, Michigan is a major blue collar generational metal plater. And loves hunting, loves ducks, has a 
little boy that loves to hunt and i think the little boy has kept him or got him into the game even at a higher level than before um he also well he came up with the shell and he had this shell and it's it's the best shell there is so that made this fun well he flew up to my place here in webster minnesota the barn and we talked about it and I'll try. It's a longer story than this, but we'll try to keep. I'll give you a condensed version. Right. He just say he goes, "What do you think about it?" I'm like, "Well, yeah, it's it's awesome." And then so, what do you think about making it direct to consumer? You'd be the first like shot shell company D to C. Yeah. And he's like, "Yeah, I mean." And then so I we talked about it, and I created the brand, and I think that was in May of. 18 hmm. and October 6th of 18, we launched the brand on Instagram of all places. <laughs> and I mean, that's how weird is that? You know, 20 <laughs> years ago, that's not even a, it's nothing. It's not even a thing, you know, Yeah. but, um, and honest to God from day one, it's like, it's been blowing up ever since. That's awesome. And right now it's just, it's on fire. Oh, really fun. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Yeah. Really fun. Nothing but good things from Corey. Mm-hmm. Yep. He loves. Oh, he's. Yeah. He's. He's. He's one of a kind, and he's like a major, big help for boss and spreading the word. And it's a great. It's a great person. A great family man. Yeah. His children are wonderful. I mean, he's he. He's head bossman for sure. He's the head. <laughs> he sits at the head of the table for sure. Him and Ramsey Russell for sure. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, do you do much hunting around Webster, Minnesota? No. no, I don't. I mean, I would. Yeah. If somebody, I, normally, I come home to Webster. I come home to the farm in, for work and to rest. Yeah. So. But I have like birds around here, and I mean, I, sh- I sure could. I mean, every once in a while, somebody will invite me to go out, you know, and I'd like to do that, crawl in a field with them and shoot some green heads or yeah. honkers or whatever. But I typically know I'm I'm a traveler too. I I travel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can, I can imagine. I'll say I'll say this. I mean, we do have some good hunting right around here. There's no doubt about that. Oh, absolutely. I've been, mm-hmm. I've been hunting right around that area, um, for a while. Well, since I could drive and then down Northfield and all that kind of good stuff. Yep. So do you know, like grinder Joe Hines and yep. Nick Johnson and those, do you know, that whole crew? Uh, yeah, I've seen them on Instagram and all that kind of stuff. Um, yep. never really talked to them, but, uh, yeah, I know of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're good at this. They're good at hunting this area. Oh, yeah. Know? Absolutely. And yeah. Joe, Joe does a lot over in Hutchinson as well. He does a lot in Hutch. And then, of course, up at Fergus. Mm-hmm. And then I have another really good friend who's a retired sheriff in western Wisconsin who's a really, really good, really good goose hunter over there. So I hang out over there a little bit, too. Um, just the opportunities are so good now 
for especially for honkers right oh absolutely i mean there's more and more of them in all kinds of places and so yeah but no i really don't hunt and i don't hunt at my farm at all because i love them when they're there i get to see them every day see them and hear them yeah oh oh absolutely yeah Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's it's a fun area i mean northfield we've been we've been out there quite a bit and over the last couple of years it's kind of more people have started to realize that that's a really good area um Mm -hmm. and just having having those fields we have quite a few fields right off the city limits and uh it's been it's been a blast out there shooting those greenheads coming right out of the city pond coming and off stuff the river like there that. yeah, yeah. And the river, <laughs> coming out, yeah. Mm-hmm. the carlson pond and all that kind of good stuff and mm-hmm. it's just been unbelievable and then also in lonsdale too early season honkers we've been oh. we've been able to mash them up out there quite a bit well that's where i live right between if you drew a line between the town of lonsdale and the town of webster you'd run right over my farm you probably even know where it is yeah Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you'll probably come out with us one time. Just holler. Holler at me when it gets that time. Yeah. I'll do it. I'll come out. Absolutely. I'll bring the shells. I'll bring the shells. Oh, perfect. (laughs) Can't beat that, right? No, absolutely not. Mm -hmm. And uh, living in Minnesota, have you, since you've lived your your whole life, I mean, what have you kind of noticed with the waterfowl hunting throughout the years and Mm -hmm. all the places you've traveled? A lot tougher, especially for like certain species. Yeah. You know, as a kid, like I said, I grew up in a hunting and fishing resort in northern Minnesota in a town called Marcel between Marcel and Big Fork. Mm-hmm. And I graduated from Deer River. Okay. So, Leech, Winnie, Cass, bowstring, those were like big time diver lakes late near, right? I mean, crazy, crazy good. Yeah. And I'm not saying that you still can't do it at the odd time here or there, but it's not like it was. I mean, it was the best. And that's not that long. I look at that. I look at the mid 70s or late 70s you know even into the early 80s and stuff that's not that long ago yeah but boy it's 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 changed a lot um that being said i that you know when when you say i'm 60 years old so it's hard not to go back and look at the way things are but what i don't want the conversation or the narrative to turn into is that it's not as good as it used to be yes it is it's fantastic it's just different Mm -hmm. you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it's still duck hunting in minnesota we're blessed with an extraordinary amount of ground that we can still hunt as a diy guy yeah which to me is without diy and for for the listeners out there that don't know what it's an acronym i guess for do it yourself yeah where you can still go out and do these things on your own. We have WPAs, WMAs, mm-hmm. tons of public water, big lakes. I mean, we've, you know, you leave, you don't have to start getting very far south from here, and that's over. 
Yeah. You know, so we're very, we're very fortunate. So I encourage anybody that is in the sport or wants to get into it, to either don't give up and keep going and get into it, and join conservation groups and get involved. And it's just, it's a great, like I say, I started kind of started out beginning of the conversation. I mean, I'm into wild things and wild places. Yeah. And I think if anybody can help with that and donate, donate your time, you know, 35 bucks to Ducks Unlimited, Delta and Rough Grouse Society and Pheasants Forever, all of it. I mean, do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, That's what I'm into. Yeah. And I mean, like you were saying with the DYI, I mean, the amount of spots that you can get permission to and not have to pay anything. And right as I've traveled and seen more of these places on, oh, oh. everything's a day lease or whatnot. Oh. oh, yeah. Like. Oh, yeah. It's a blessing. Mm. Yeah. So, again, and, and I'm going to go back to being a kid. I mean, that was just unheard of. You know, you yeah. went, you just, all you went, knocked on doors and go, well, yeah, you, of course. You go, and then you might even wind up taking them with you, you know. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I, it's still, it's, to me, it's duck hunting and wild bird hunting is still the i don't know by far for me the most most fun of all oh absolutely and mm-hmm. uh, yeah i mean i was talking to kind of my grandpa a little bit about how the hunting was when he was a young boy and all that kind of stuff and how it's kind of changed a little bit on like how many bluebills are really like they used to see back in like the Brainerd area. Um, oh. And now it's kind of yeah. like you just don't really see them anymore, or it's later in the year when you're seeing them. And just it's kind of different. Mm hmm. And yep. Well, it's not kind of different. The bluebill is, <laughs> it, the bluebill population's like drastically, alarmingly different than it used to be. Yeah. Yeah. Because yep. they used to talk about shooting bluebills all the time. And... Oh, I back in the seventies. I'm not kidding you. This is the truth, and I don't mean this to sound bad. It took you longer to go out and get set up than it did to shoot your ducks. <laughs> yeah, that's a fact. Yeah, that's a fact. You know, I mean, when they were here, when they were in, you know what I mean by when they're in, when the birds from the north come in and they start to load up those big legs. I mean, no, it they weren't. It was all really fun to see massive rafts of 5,000, 10,000, sometimes 20,000. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. There was an 11,000 bird die-off on Winnie. Jeez. That wasn't even that many years ago. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I mean, even some some snail or something maybe. I can't remember what that was. And I sure as heck don't want to talk out of turn on that one, but... I mean, there used to be massive numbers of bluebills, little blue ones, little bills. Yeah. 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 And even even talking about, like you were saying, the geese, they just get more and more abundant. Like, mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. We were even... Well, they, go they, ahead. Can co- they can coexist with man. Yeah. A lot of those other wild creatures we're talking about, they don't do so good by man. Yeah. Right? Oh, well, absolutely. I mean, you see you them know, running around the ponds and the cities everywhere, grass right. fields and right. 
and I mean, even Nick Johnson was, I saw one of his stories on Snapchat and he was kind of talking about why there's like the theory of seeing more geese and that's partially it. And then also the amount of ground, like the big, you know, football fields or whatever it is, park fields that you're seeing in Minnesota and not as much in North Dakota, um, which allows them a safe spot to go eat, hang out. And then when they're ready to go in the field, um, go feed out in those cornfields and stuff like that. Right. Which I thought oh, yeah. was kind of a neat way to look at it. Yep. What's that new project Nick Johnson's got going on? He's he's an interesting cat, that dude. Oh, absolutely. If, if there's if there's goose hunters out there, honker honker hunters around here, you guys should check out Nick. He's check out his feed for sure and then ask him what he's got going on. It's he's he's way into the educational part of it. And yeah. Give that guy a look. His name's Nick Johnson. Yeah. Although he's a local dude here. Yeah. And he yeah, he's got a like a goose calling app that I think he's kinda trying to come out with right now. That's um, it. And yeah. then what about and then what about Grinder? Grinder's got something too. No, isn't that's Joe Hines, Grinder. Yeah. He's got some like killer new podcast he's doing. Like I mean it's it's fun to have these conversations and hear from people in the community, especially the local flavor. Yeah. Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah, because he's working mm-hmm. with Molk Gear on some different yep. stuff. And yep. they're like roost hunting TV on roost, showing the roost with Scott Trinan. Yep. Yep. And uh, mm-hmm. showing those films and doing a bunch of podcasts. Yep. And it's been cool. I mean, I've looked at them a little bit and listened to them. And I mean, Scott does a really nice job on the, oh, call, yeah, the calling aspect oh. and all that kind of good stuff. Well, Scott's just, he's, he's elite level, next level, big honker dude. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He's, he's as good as it gets. Interest way again, another dude to follow and listen to and check up. on. I mean, the guy's got just great things to say, you know, he grew up in that Rochester area. And I mean, he fell in love with those giants down there when he was a small boy you'll have to check into that story yeah he talks about when he fell in love with the giants you know oh he was six years old maybe eight years old working you know milking cows on his farm down there and i think two of them flew over and i think he was done (laughs) he was done that that seems about (laughs) right what else could do that to you right what else could make you done and when you're eight years old other than a duck or a goose oh it's like you know, it's nothing else i mean i still remember no. when i shot my first duck and it was just like i mean this pond had the most teal that i've like ever seen and i mean i ran through three four boxes of shells and only shot one and i was just mm-hmm. like this is it like yeah it's tell un- me about that tell me about that how tell me how old were you like general area what was it like yeah tell me about that i'd love to hear that yeah so it was uh it was back with my mentor um dan and he took me out for youth day first ever duck hunt and we kind of got connected because he used to be a neighbor of ours and came over because we were kind of looking for some dogs to you know get a hunting dog because i was a big deer hunter and pheasant hunter Mm -hmm. at that time so I was like, I want to get into duck hunting a little bit. And so he brought the do- his dogs over to look at 
maybe like think about getting from a litter that he bought from. And then after that, he's like, yeah, you want to come out and uh, do a youth day hunt? And I'm like, oh man, like that'd be awesome. Like that's all I've ever wanted to do. And so he brought me out there over to like near Gaylord, um, kind of that area. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one of, so his wife's cousin, they have like a bunch of property out there and a bunch of good duck hunting property. And we went out there that morning, um, paddled in, and they had this blind down this little pond and throw out all the decoys and stuff. And, I mean, it was insane. Like, the teal were just coming from every which way. Aren't like, they fun? Oh, my God. They're unbelievable. Oh, God, they're fun. They're so, oh, my God, are they cool. I love them. Dude, I love everything about them. Yeah, and they're just so fast and everything. And he's like, man, just try to lead them a little bit. And at that age, you're like, you're just aiming right at the duck. And I'm just firing off these rounds. And there's another kid in the blind with me. And, I mean, one comes on the right side of me. And I knock it down and I'm freaking out. Like, this is one of the coolest things ever. And we're shooting still all morning. And that was the only one that we got. And I was like, it's it's just something about it. Like, it was just one of the coolest things, like being a duck hunter. And people that don't duck hunt, um, need I need to experience that. Like, need to go out duck hunting because it's just, it's an addiction. And after that, I mean, I started looking at, duck floaters and all that kind of stuff on the internet and then once you know once i got my permit my dad would go drive me around and i'd go ask on permission and stuff like that mm -hmm. only having my permit and uh then yeah it just it got to that point then went and bought my first trailer saved up a bunch of money for that from working at as a caddy and uh then it was just like after that it was it's been all you. i do good for you yeah and you and you worked i love hearing that you actually got a job and you worked and saved money and bought your trailer yeah oh that's yeah. fantastic that's fantastic yeah and yep that's that's all i spend my money on now <laughs> yep. oh, oh I, I i hear you man i mean i, I it's all i spend my money on <laughs> It's just, it just the, the number changes the older you get, you know. But it's still it's still the same madness, you know. Oh, like, exactly. Oh, I've been married to the same same lady for a long time. My love of my life, childhood sweetheart. Mm -hmm. It's she's been <laughs> she's uh she's been she's been oh she shakes her head like oh are you ever gonna quit? I'm like I hope not. <laughs> I'm hoping not. Oh, I would. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, and yep. I mean, every oh. time, every time I go buy new decoys or ask for Christmas, my mom's like, "You really yep. don't need all those decoys." I'm like, "Mom, mm -hmm. you have no idea." Mm -hmm. Hey, are you? Are you by some chance? I bet you know. You, uh, I mean, because you know the same circle of dudes. I mean, those big gals decoys. Yeah. They're really cool. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, so he threw a, this is a roundabout deal, through a buddy of mine out in the Butte Sink area in California, okay. who's a friend of Al, Big Al, Yeah, and he just, he goes, you should, you should call Chos. He might be able to help. Well, I know, I know Trine is part of the deal, and then you got Grinder and Nick, and everybody's running these big al's decoys yeah well 
I just did a, I just finished a new logo for him, maybe a week or so ago here. Oh, nice. And what a, what, what a cool dude. Great guy. The decoys are made here in the USA. Yep. I mean, if, man, if you can't get your head wrapped around that one and support that kind of stuff, I mean, oh, right. Yeah. And, And they're effective. Yes. Yes. And, and they work. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I mean, even back when I started hunting, like, I mean, my mentor was, we always ran full bodies and all that kind of stuff. And then the older guys would kind of run the shells, um, like those big magnum shells. And mm-hmm. we, it was the funniest thing. Uh, we were hunting over in Chocopee and the older oh, guy, yeah. the, the older guy that we hunt with, he was very stern on we're running five dozen magnum shells and that's it. Like the you don't need any more, you don't need any less. Like we're gonna do that. I mean, we killed them like every weekend over that. And then hunting over them full bodies too, we would just consistently do that. But now as we've kind of progressed and seen like the silhouettes come back to life, it's been really neat to um kind of be able to hunt all over those different types of spreads and see those different types. Oh, it's, I don't know how, this would be a great, like, multi approach, you know, I get a bunch of dudes on like Grinder and Nick and yeah. Trinan and you and some other buddies that you know, and different age demographics and what they went through. But I think, my personal opinion on decoying ducks and geese is to throw things at them that they're not seeing. Yeah. Right. That they just, man, it's like a lot of times you ever heard somebody say, well, they they see us. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, lots of times, no, it's not that they see you. It's that they've seen this. Mm-hmm. Right. And they associate mm-hmm. it with danger, you know, yeah. and, and, good i'm glad they do associate it with danger you know that's like that's their preservation is too you know yeah they got to survive and which makes us like as hunters hunt actually have to hunt not shoot and kill hunt like let's figure this out how am i gonna how many to get these in my lap i mean dude there was that many years ago i mean no one ran silhouettes yeah nobody no one oh no right it was Back in the day, like you said, it was way back. It was silhouettes decades ago. Mm-hmm. Then it was shells. Then Art Laddie Hop at Bigfoot came out with that Bigfoot. Yeah. And then that that changed the game. And they did. They oh, were yeah. They were a game changer, right? Just like. And then Ron Latshaw came out with the first layout line at Final Approach. That was a game changer. You know. Those, I did all the work. Well, I did a bunch of work for Bigfoot and Ron Latshaw at FA back in the day. All the marketing. Yeah. And do you remember the name Jeff Foyles and Tim yeah. Grounds and Freddie Zink and, mm-hmm. and Latshaw? Those four were together. Okay. I mean, if you want to talk about the dream team, yeah. right? <laughs> when that original layout line came out, they called it a, I think it was called a, like a, an eliminator, a program, 
control guide eliminated. Actually, the first one was a slider, but no one knows that. Okay. But it was, but what I'm saying is they didn't even grasp that blind. No kidding. Uh-uh. Didn't even put, no. The geese had no clue what that was. It's kind of like putting a, putting an A-frame or a panel blind out in the middle of the field you know, a couple of years ago when it first came out, they yeah. didn't know what that was. Yeah. They didn't. No, they learned quick though, don't they? <laughs> oh uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Then the, then the geese caught onto the layout blind. Then they had to start to grass it. Then they caught onto that. Then they started to dig it in. Then they did that. Now, I mean, it just, <laughs> they these figured out man i mean and we always we always have to evolve right into the next thing yeah but i mean hell that's the fun dude that's the fun no exactly the and game, I, that's the game the game is what's fun yeah and like you're saying throwing those a-frames out in the middle of the field we would do that early in uh north field and they just had no oh, idea yeah. like they oh no clue you, you'd throw them no on clue. the middle of a cornfield and you'd grass them up and it was just like, okay, yeah, they're going to come right in like they would anything else. And mm-hmm. we had people like some of the guys over there, like, you're, we didn't think you were going to kill any just by driving on the road scouting. Like, we thought you guys were crazy. And then we were just beating them up. And I'm like, I mean, just trying something new. And those A-frames are right. kind of evolving. And now everyone's yep. kind of picking them up. And yep. it's just, that's the fun about it. Like you're saying, the game, everything just kind of keeps moving. Yep. It's an ever, it's an ever changing game, and we have to find the game within the game. Yeah. Yep. Oh, absolutely. Very cool. And yeah, I mean, I was just talking to Josh Heff from Falco down in Oklahoma. You were? Yeah. Yeah. Is it Josh? Aren't they awesome? Oh, he's a blast to chat with. I mean, I had him on. Oh, Josh and JD, well, both. I mean, those guys are again, they're killer. Those are they're boss guys. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, mm-hmm. it was fun chatting with him, and he's like, yeah, man, I mean, they're always, you think you got them dialed in until you don't, and mm-hmm. <laughs> that's just, that's a part of it, and like, mm-hmm. we were chatting. And then you don't. Yeah, and then we were chatting about, like, oh, all these, like, anti-hunters are saying that people just go out there to kill. Um, I mean, you do, but then at the same time, like, you go sit in the deer stand, every day to go shoot a buck and you never shoot a buck like you're always going out there and you're getting beat up by the ducks or whatnot and it's not always like you're going to be killing them it's like you go out there for the memories and the fun like with all your buddies and mm -hmm. that's a side people just don't really understand Mm -hmm. well it's it's always fun to be successful in you know killing what you're going after Mm -hmm. right great food mm-hmm. all of it but what to, to kind of like reiterate a little bit more on like what you said there the the more important part is the fact that we get to go yeah in this in this crazy beautiful country we live in mm-hmm. free and we get to do it i think i hope people like, don't take that for granted, right? And then yeah. rather than, like, always look at, like, the numbers, you know, let's just celebrate the sport of hunting and fishing and being outside and 
like you said, friends, family, all that. You know, do you always have, does it always have to be a mash or a grind? No, it doesn't. And it's not, <laughs> and I, I hope, you know, it's not, I mean, you're going to get your ass kicked more than you're not. I mean, you right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Heck yeah. And yeah. Heck yeah. I can't do it. You're, you say, you told me before we started here that you're 20 years old. You are sound like wise beyond your years. So how did that, how did that happen? I'm going to switch around here. I'm going to be the interviewer here for a little while. How did that happen? Uh, I appreciate that compliment. And I mean, I've, I've always liked to think of myself as a people person. And my dad is a very, very outspoken, outgoing type of guy. Same with my mother. And I just, you know, they've been teaching me the ways on, you know, shake, shake everyone's hand, Mr. Mrs. And, uh, Always listen to, don't listen to listen, listen to respond. And that's been a big thing on the podcast and how I try to present myself to people. And I mean, I can remember even going back to middle school when we do our presentations for different classes. I was always volunteering the first person to go up and, you know, try to get it out of the way a little bit. But also I just. I love presenting to people and love talking to people and I just, yeah, I, I love to do it. And it's been a privilege to have this podcast as a outlet for me on talking to different people around the country and listening to all mm -hmm. these different stories. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Have you had Corey on? Uh, Corey? Yeah. So we're going to record, okay. I think next week. Okay. or something like that uh once he gets oh, you're, back from you're, south dakota yeah your listeners will love love Corey. hey i just this came into my head because i'd love to meet you in person mm -hmm. are you going to go to game fair this year oh uh, yeah i plan on if they got it opened up it's no it's going to be i talked to chuck and he told me he's go chuck delaney yeah you know he's and he said yeah we're gonna we're gonna be doing it this year so i mean if I mean, unless something like crazy happens again, yeah. but he said, no, it'll be open. So we'll have boss will be there awesome. over by the, sh over by the shooting over by the grandstand there. So, yeah. I mean, just please stop by and introduce yourself and I'll introduce you to everybody at boss That'd be awesome. and the owner, the owners will all be there. And yeah. Maybe who knows? Maybe we can even do a live podcast from out there. Who knows? Yeah, no kidding. I'd love to do something like that. That'd be that'd be really neat. Right. Yeah, that'll be that'll be something. I love the game fair. I've been going there for oh me too. Who I love knows it. how long? Me too. Uh, let's see. Dogs, people, hunting stories. Yeah, <laughs> what's not to like about that, right? Oh, exactly. Good to see. Right. I mean, and there's people that come from like all over the country too that come do their stuff there. Oh, I mean, like Pacific oh, Falls yeah. and I mean, mm -hmm. all them guys. And it's been, it's been cool mm -hmm. to go try out different stuff. I mean that, yeah, it works out great. Right. Yep. And for sure. That's always fun. But yeah, no, I'll definitely make sure to stop by and I'll uh, give you a heads up on when I'm coming around. But like I was saying, I mean, we're going to be running and gunning pretty good around here, man. Kato, you'll definitely have to come out. That's fun. Well, just holler at me. Stay in touch. Oh, absolutely. And then kind of going into your traveling and kind of seeing all these different 
websites and stuff. I know you're a big Canada guy. And um, mean mean I hunt Canada? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah yeah yeah. And what? <laughs> how do you? Uh, what have you heard about the border or anything? Is that? Um, do you think it'll open oh, up I, this year? Yeah. I mean, um, I don't want to. I heard this. I guess you'd say secondhand. Mm. And I don't want to start a grease fire or anything in case it doesn't happen. But yeah, I heard it was going to be open. Yeah, well, it's going good. to be open this summer. That's a good. No, <laughs> no, we might need we might need a vaccine. Yeah, proof. We might need proof of you know of the vaccine that we did that. You know, got your shot and stuff. But that's really not a lot. Dude, I've needed you know a. a current health certificate for my dog to get my dogs into Canada for the past 30 years. So it's like, I'm, I'm assuming they would do that with humans too. Right. So, um, but I don't know. That's a, to me, that's a, that's a small price to pay to go to a great country like Canada and great people and hunting and fishing and yeah. So yeah. Oh yeah. I'll be going, but yeah, I am. I'm a, major like major saskatchewan manitoba alberta dude yeah yeah i I still got to make a trip up there i was supposed to go the last fall but then they got canceled with covid Mm -hmm. and uh yeah put your group put your group of dudes together young bucks and get up there and run around and diy and you'll yeah you'll you'll love it yeah oh absolutely yeah Mm -hmm. i just i feel bad for all the outfitters and all the small towns like me too you think about how much um those small towns kind of rely on people coming just from out mm-hmm. of state and yeah you know eating at those yeah. diners or getting gas station food or whatnot yeah. yep like it's a huge in some of those areas it's a huge part of the commerce there yeah right i mean there's some re- there's some remote stuff up there and that you know when the sportsmen aren't there that's it's tough they don't they survive on not much yeah that's a fact yep beautiful people too like western canadians i can't speak so much in the east because i haven't i've never really spent much time there yeah but western canadians are about the nicest people you'll ever meet in your life yeah well that's awesome yeah yeah And I mean, do a lot of those guys that are Canadian residents, do they waterfall hunt a lot or is it more big game? Oh, no. deer. Yeah. Yeah, they hunt deer. Yeah. Yeah, they hunt deer and moose and elk and stuff like that. No, you don't, no, you don't see a lot of like hardcore waterfallers that are like residents. No. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah. It, it was kind of interesting to see on how different birds have been able to push through Canada um, and kind of, you know, not be shot up all at once right at a early stage and make it to the U.S. Mm, well, there's a lot more. There's <laughs> a lot more of them being shot now, I think. But <laughs> I think. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's, yep. been, it's been fun. And then. Have you looked at uh, the Minnesota regulations that they're trying to 
push upon like the layout boats and splash limit and all that kind of stuff? I just read an article in the outdoor news on that. Yeah, I think Tim Speem, isn't it? Isn't he the editor in chief of Outdoor Life? His name's Tim Spielman, I think it is. And I just read a column yep. that he just wrote. And yeah, it had a lot to do with that. I'm about like being, are you talking about like being able to open water hunt? Um, I kind of wanted to dig into like the splash limit about that, if you've seen that. And then open water hunting as well, and like your opinions on that. Well, my opinion on hunting open water is any any opportunity that the state can afford us waterfallers to get out and hunt waterfall, I think they should do. Yeah. If if they're worried about well out on open water, it's too easy to kill bluebills or golden ice. I'm like, well, then make sure that you have good science backed data that regulates the number not not the hunting opportunity i have a real problem with with lack of hunting opportunity times and seasons and dates and it's different on this this water and different here i mean dude our rule book is like it's in, it's exasperating <laughs> to look at Oh yeah. Sim simplify it, make it easy for families, moms, dads, children, friends to get together, celebrate hunting, get out, do it. If you're really worried about the take, right? Yeah. Man manage it. Yeah. Manage manage the take, not the hunting opportunity. Taking the opportunity away is what bugs me. So if there are people that want to hunt open water, well, I say make sure they can do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I think. What was the other one you wanted to ask me about? And then the splash limit, too, because I kind of talked. What's the splash limit? So they're kind of, I was reading about it. And so if you don't know how to identify a duck as their thought, or it's early in the morning and you shot like three of your ducks already and it's still like kind of dark and you can't really pick out three the other three of your ducks can be considered your splash limit so let's say you already shot one of your pintails or you already shot two of your hen mallards um and you shoot another one you can count that towards your splash limit and so it like cancels it out but my there was like pros and cons to that that we discussed kind of out in south dakota when i was with Corey and matt on you know getting youth hunters out in the waterfowl industry um and it's like you have to have so many different federal license state stamp all that kind of stuff there's so many regulations right. that you can get caught right and you can get or like not get caught but you can get fined for if you forget something forget to sign your license like right. whatever it is and it's not like deer hunting where you can go buy your doe tag or buy your buck right. tag and go shoot your buck and that's it. Like, you don't have to worry about anything else. And so right. it was kind of interesting to hear the splash limit on, okay, for the youth hunters, maybe that would be a pro on, you know, if they don't know how to identify a duck yet correctly when they're flying around or whatnot. But at the same time, you think about, okay, when I was 11, my mentor really struck into my head on 
you need to know how to identify your ducks. Mm-hmm. Like, you For sure. like you if you're gonna shoot this duck, you need to know what it is, like the yep. wing the wing patterns, all that kind of stuff when it's coming in. That's like really melted into my brain. Yep, I agree hundred percent. And hundred. So it's like kind of that topic on okay, if you do mm-hmm. a splash limit and maybe make it easier on learning youth, but at the same time, you should go buy the book. There's like this little waterfall book that I bought um, that my mentor told me to go buy on it. Ducks at a distance? Yeah, I think so. And it, or master. Yeah. And so it gives you all the information you need and Mm. just research and study before you go shoot your ducks. Yep. Yep. Well, I think that's ethical. Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, that to me is like a given. Yeah. You have to do that. I mean, if you don't know what you're shooting, don't shoot exactly yeah if you can't see it don't shoot it yeah i think you should know that but again i'm going to go back to restrictive opportunities and that i'm not a fan of i think we need to get as many people out as we can yeah that's what i think yeah yeah so that was that was kind of my thing on kind of the pros and cons of that just just by getting more of our youth in and doing that kind of stuff because you have to buy so many different stamps and whatnot but you know right. if you're going to harvest an animal like have some respect and know that animal right and yeah no it was it was interesting to read about that and then thinking about doing an early teal season they were talking about and not not closing at 4 p.m instead of you can mm-hmm. go hunt all the way until dark uh for right. the for the first season instead of stopping. I think they should do, I think that again, I think they should do that. I think they should open it up because it's a lot of people that don't have a lot of time. They have a limited time. And I think it would be great for people to maximize the opportunity and the time that they're out there. Mm-hmm. hopefully they find success so yeah. that they come back and again if you're worried about the number right then yeah. manage manage the number not the opportunity yep that's what i think does that make sense yeah oh absolutely yeah right and i mean right. yeah like, like you were talking about like... the blueing teal the teal season early teal season right mm-hmm. okay from what i read it's you know, it's really a difficult thing to pass where you're in regions or states where teal are born and raised. Yeah. That's the difference, right? Okay. I mean, yeah. they're raised here. Yeah. Right. So I, I, I get it, you know? Yeah. I, I, I get that. Again, I, I guess I can't say this enough, right? Don't restrict the opportunity. If you need to manage the number, do that yeah. through science. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, like right. you're saying, don't restrict the opportunity on, Mm-mm. you know, those guys that Mm-mm. are getting off work at four and then they can't go out to their public land or whatever, mm-hmm. their backyard, and they can't go shoot ducks still. Right. And here's another, here's another thing, but we'll back up a little bit to that open water thing. To me, yeah. me, as long as the number, the harvest number, the overall, number isn't isn't 
adverse to the population. Why does it matter if I shoot four on the open water, four hidden in cattails? Mm -hmm. Why does that matter? Yeah. Yeah, that's... I don't know. It's never... Yeah, I mean, it's never really made sense to me on that end. Like, why... I mean, even if you're in a little brush of cattails in the middle of the water, why is that any different than hunting open water? Right. Like, there's really... Right. Really no difference at all, because just because you're hidden a little bit, like, I I don't know. I just find that hard to hard to wrap my head around on why they don't allow that already. And even even if they do a certain extent on hunting certain lakes um, for open water, which would even just open opportunity up more, um, that would even be just a great thing to have. Because I know Wisconsin, I think, does that. They have a certain amount of lakes that you can lay out boat hunt on. Like the Green Bay Superior, and then a couple other ones. Maybe if they did that, like Malax, Leech, Cass, whatever it is. Yeah. Red. Um, mm -hmm. It doesn't have right. to be all the lakes, but just to open that opportunity up for people to go do that. And then right. also bring in business to Minnesota on. People want to come hunt open water layout boats from different states. I mean, I don't see a right. problem in that. Me either. And Me either. None. Yeah, like, yep. and that would just be a cool way to go experience more different types of waterfowl. Like, I'd love to go hunting a layout boat up in Mille Lacs or whatever and just experience <laughs> that. Like, that would be one mm -hmm. of the coolest mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. It is. Yeah. That'd be uh, that'd be something else because just watching the guys, I mean, out east do it or whatever, uh, it's like, that'd be something else. Like, even over in Utah, out on uh, some of those big lakes and how they just run big diver lines. That's yeah, the Great Salt Lake. Yeah, mm. yeah, that's just that's just really cool to me. And uh, what kind of trips do you usually take? Like this year, do you take any trips on different hunting excursion? Mm, I I go to Alaska usually why once a year, roughly, and Argentina. Oh wow! I go to Arkansas and Nebraska and Kansas and Missouri and yeah, the Dakotas and Saskatchewan and Alberta. <laughs> I mean, I try to. <laughs> oh, I I told you, dude. I love wild things and wild places. Now, any chance I get to do it, I go do it. So oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, no, it's it's so much fun traveling around. I mean, I was down in Texas uh this past February going going to hunt down there and hunt lessers. That was just something else. Yeah. Like, Crazy cool, fun, not yeah. loud. Mm-hmm. You're laying under tall socks. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's yeah. it's pretty neat. And then kind of digging into the like back to the silhouettes and tall socks a little bit. I was I talked to uh, Forrest Carpenter from Dive Bomb, and uh, he kind of described on different hunting scenarios and, you know, how to hunt different geese under socks and whatnot and why you don't see it as much in, like, big Canada hunting because of the geese are more kind of laid back and they're not moving around as much in the field like a lesser would. And then if you did run those socks on the big geese and kind of, you know, how do I say this? Like, 
the big geese aren't moving around as much and then you have your socks moving around as much so you might not want to run that and kind of replicate your spread on what it actually looks like in the field right and you know kind of experience that down in texas and see how they kind of do different things on you're running socks because the geese are active in the field they're moving around jumping around hopping over each other whatnot and you know that's that's a nice thing about talking to all these people and kind of seeing how different spreads may work like maybe you know if you tried laying under socks in one of the dirt fields up here in minnesota i mean if that worked great if it didn't i mean you could say you tried it but it's like one of those things right mm-hmm. and, yeah different tech different techniques you know are also are like regional yeah oh exactly and in hunting you know in waterfalling yeah. it's like very regional yeah. like dudes in stuttgart you know when they're hunting in the trees versus on rice fields decoy yeah. spreads decoys that whole thing you did like hunting littles yeah down in texas i mean that's a whole game within its own self you know how they hunt them yeah so and i mean yeah mm. like i was talking with josh about it a little bit and then Toby, who I went and hunted with, they've talked about different spreads that they've ran and whatnot. And one thing might work right in Oklahoma, and then one thing might work right down in Texas. And even though they're shooting probably the same birds coming through, um, it's just that different atmosphere. Right. And right. Just different stuff like that. On you can't replicate all the time because it is a regional thing, like you said. Yep. And yeah. You know. And the waterfowl season here, I mean, it was it was a little bit different this year, like for us, with all this warm oh. weather we had. Oh yeah, like ooh. oh it, oh yeah, it was. Uh, they're all they're all different. Yeah, they are, dude. <laughs> you know, and maybe that's what keeps us coming back too. I don't know. They're, they're all different. Oh yeah. You know? Yep. I mean, like the little bit of snow that we did get. Um, what I've noticed is they just, you started seeing so much more feet at night. And like for us, they jumped 10 minutes before light. And then you'd be like, well, okay, that's like late November when they don't really need to jump off because all they're going to do is go eat 20 kernels of corn and then hop back to the roost. And that they don't have any snow. They don't, it's not cold. Like they're just going to hang out. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they get tough. <laughs> yeah they get oh yeah they get tough when they don't have to eat yeah yep. oh exactly yeah and mm-hmm. then i mean with your like photography on traveling around and taking all these cool pictures i mean that's just something else what kind of camera do you run all the time well i've been i'm a nikon dude i've been shooting nikon for i don't know since i was 14 maybe okay wow yep. yeah Fair enough. Just, mm-hmm. Have you ever tried out anything else, or just that's no. your that's your go to? No. Mm-mm. Nikon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I've uh I picked up a camera a little bit just to kind of take some photos of buddies and stuff like that. Um, and it's just so fun to relook back at those images. And, I mean, you do a really good job of telling a story when you're taking those photos thank you that's the goal that's that's what i'm trying to do yeah Mm -hmm. and like all the elements that i mean i've seen on your photos that play into it and the lighting and all that kind of stuff is really neat on it how do you kind of you know choose 
what to like add in there um your lighting like you like to take pictures of the sun on the back or it just kind of yeah well i mean i do what i pretty much shoot what i think is pretty yeah i mean sometimes it's backlit sometimes it's not sometimes it's fun to shoot in the clouds and some days you don't get clouds you have bright light so you have to figure out what to do in bright light i mean there's all kinds of that's it's, that's experience. I mean, that's what tells you to do that. You know, I mean, sometimes you just, it's, uh, I don't know. It's, it, 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 you have to look at every location, every set as like its own animal. Right. Yeah. And how are we going to, how are we going to solve this one? So, that's that's location work anyway when you're working for clients because you have work to get done yeah you know, when i'm out just shooting for fun if it's not really conducive to shooting a great shot i just i don't yeah. <laughs> i don't shoot you know oh yeah absolutely so, yeah and yep. the client work that you do i mean that's i can imagine pretty cool to go experience that and go take pictures with other people um yep. different brands and stuff like that yeah very cool is there any yep. uh spot in the country or anywhere that you've been that you just really love like mm -hmm. alaska alaska mm -hmm. and what are you chasing up there oh it could be sea ducks could be sheep could be all kinds of things up in alaska fishing i just i love alaska yeah uh, yep. yeah i mean i've heard Mm -hmm. Very good things about Alaska and all the hunting opportunities that they have up there is just unbelievable. Oh yeah, oh it's yeah. Like if you're yeah, in... for sportsmen, it's crazy fun up there. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. And I was reading about um, this over in Connecticut on you know if you're bringing legally harvested animals over and now they're trying to make it a felony and trying to you know really cut off hunting a little bit. Um, from the other countries on bringing mounted animals back. And I was talking to Ryan Bassham about this a little bit and how that's kind of a, if hunters don't stand together for that, how that might be the peak of now they're going to try to start taking as much as they can away. And mm -hmm. hunters, as, hunters as a whole, especially in like the waterfall industry, you see it a lot. Um, just everyone is willing to help out as long as you stay in your own lane. And I don't know if you've noticed that or have a different opinion on that, but. Mm -hmm. No, I don't know. No, I really don't have an opinion on that. I mean, do I think that there will always be some type of attack on our hunting rights? Yeah, for sure. Of yeah. course. That's never going to, that, that's nothing new though. Yeah. That's never going to stop. Yeah ever yeah there's always groups that want to take that away yeah and that i mean i was even talking to barton ramsey like about the uk and how the field trial dogs run um and if you don't know them like really well you aren't allowed in because all the PETA people out there try to take videos and try to make it look way different and put it in their own opinion and put it to the public sure i can see that and yeah yep. just, just a little bit different on 
I've never even realized that on how big of a deal or even in um, right. Australia, well, we, how they do that. Well, we, right. We don't, that's because we really don't deal with that here. Yeah. I mean, we have, we have our groups here that are certainly anti-hunting, but we don't deal with it on that level. Yeah. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. That's for sure. Like, right. Yeah. And mm. Even, yeah. Just, and the thing is like people, need to be kind of careful on what they post now. Cause I mean, I've not like that. I don't know if you saw that video from Sarah Langball that she reposted on the deer that was, the doe was shot. And then there was a buck that was still rutted up. Um, and he was trying to still breed, but she was already dead. And the, he didn't really care about the hunters being right there. And that was posted up on a huge platform. And now everyone's commenting about, oh, my God, this is terrible killing a family member, da-da-da. And, yeah, just got to, it's a different world now, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, you have social media. Yeah. <laughs> that's all, that's what that is. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and there's I'll... lots of things on social media that don't necessarily, doesn't mean it's real. Doesn't mean it's true. Yeah. Usually it's not. Yeah. And how has social you know? media impacted, like, your photography and all that kind of stuff? Mm, none. none i don't know not me and like growing growing your uh social media platform because you have quite a few followers on that um and like has that been able to uh grow your work a little bit on different clients and stuff like that mm, no no social media really i mean other than there's maybe a need for more content from some clients, but no, the kind of big commercial work that I do social really has no, had no effect on that. What I do. No. Okay. And for like Mm -hmm. the younger guys that are getting into waterfall photography, mm -hmm. then, then it does definitely for them. Yeah. And would you have any, Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, would you have any input for them on, you know, what, what uh how you should brand yourself or anything like that i don't know about brand yourself but well i mean be original do your own work um and learn like business the business side of the business meaning don't don't give it away okay right i mean there's too much there's too much of that. And like I say, it doesn't, it does zero effect, zero effect on me. But what they're, they're doing is they're killing their own economy mm. by doing, by doing that, right. Flooding, flooding the market, right. The market is, you know, one thing that always works is supply and demand. You can't, you can't fight that one. And if you're willing to give it away, then you're you're gonna give it away that's yeah. it's that's what's gonna happen so yeah. and that's happening that is happening yeah oh absolutely uh, yeah i mean mm-hmm. you think about how many people are starting up and i feel like everybody's trying to be a content creator now on like the waterfall side of things or whatnot um and yeah i mean i've talked to a few of them and just kind of building yourself and doing your own work like you were saying Right. Yeah. That's yep. a big thing. I think, yep. And uh, I wanted to kind of go back to the 
um, side that you're saying regulations on like how many ducks you're taking and whatnot. And what have you seen from, I mean, just Minnesota on like the duck regulations from when you were able to shoot ducks to now? Not that different. Not that different. Yeah. I mean, it's usually always been around. I think it's, man, I mean, how many years is, what is it right now? Is it in Minnesota? Is it five? Uh, six. Six. So, I mean, no, it really hasn't changed in decades. Yeah. I mean, there was, there was a stretch back in the eighties where we had a really, really bad drought in the country for a long time. And I think it went down to two. Oh, wow. Two or two or three, no more than three. Wow. And then of course I remember the point system. Um, yeah, I'd like to hear about that. I've heard some things about it. Well, I mean, it, it, you had 100, it was 100 points, and when you reached your quota, your point limit, you were done, right? But, okay. I mean, back, it wasn't like it was that restrictive. I mean, bluebills were 10 points. Oh. Oh, so you could shoot, like, right? 10 bluebills. Right. Oh, Canvas wow. backs, you were allowed one. Even if they were 100-point ducks, you kill one, you're done. Yeah. I think a hen mallard, I think... I think a hen mallard was like 90 points. No kidding. So one hen mallard and a blueing teal and you're done. Hmm. Right? Yeah. That's a long time ago for me to remember that. So I hope I hope nobody fact checks and then yells at me. If you fact check, <laughs> go, hey, dude, this is what it was. Like, okay, thank you. But that's a long time ago. But other than that, dude, the... the the limits, season length, all that, they, they've been pretty consistent, and limits are liberal. Yeah. They're liberal. They're, they've been that way for a long time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I, I wonder on, like, that point system you're saying on um, 100 points that you're able to shoot on why they took that away and switch it over just to a six-bird limit I don't, or whatever it is. I don't, I don't remember. I I would have to research all that. That would have to be for another <laughs> another chat. I don't remember that one. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting way to put it. I mean, now you can shoot your two hen mallards and then you're good to go. And if it was right. that high, I mean that's that's a pretty different way of thinking, I guess. Like I don't know, that's right. kind of, that's kinda of cool to hear about though, is that point system on what you're able to yeah. shoot and yeah, read about it, research that. It's interesting. Yeah. And uh, you were talking about you got a barn over there where you're at. I've heard some stories about it and your designs and all that kind of cool stuff. And what's kind yeah. of the barn like? <laughs> it's just a renovated dairy barn that my wife, she's a talented designer. and Yeah. She came in here. She took a year off of work and oh, wow. renovate, renovated the old dairy barn. Yeah, it turned out cool. Yeah. That's pretty neat. Um, yeah. So is that kind of where you do all your work and stuff in there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I work here and, yep. Wow. Do quite a bit of photography around the farm here. And, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Have a stu- yep. Have a little studio. Yeah. That's sweet. Yeah, no. And then even to the ammunition um side of it on how less 
there is ammunition like everywhere you go you can't find it how has that affected you guys and at box well i mean we're still we're still healthy um but i don't think that story's been written yet either you know i think is the supply chain tightening and could it get worse? yeah for sure so we'll have to we'll have to see we're fine boss is doing great that's really awesome. good we have inventory and we're making product and yeah we have shells so if people are out just go online bossshotshells.com we got them yeah mm-hmm. as that do you think has brought some new clients your way just because of how little um people i don't i don't know maybe maybe some but uh no i think boss is just growing because the product is so good yeah the customer service is very very good yeah um and you know you get your shells in a timely fashion and we have them but like i say i mean they're i don't know it's they're the best. It's the best shell there is. So yeah. it's direct to consumer. We can afford to sell the shell at a reasonable price for the quality of the shell. You know, far different than buying like designer loads. You know, retail, right? Yeah. I mean, there's re- retail shells that are four to ten dollars a shell. Yeah, that's a lot. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, if you're a guy right? that goes out and really max on them all year round that's a lot of money you're spending on shells oh yeah yeah yep like and then Mm -hmm. even when i was out with Corey, um he was showing me that video that he did about how clean your guys' shells are as well Mm -hmm. and yeah like with me i've been shooting you know federal and winchester kind of all my life that's all i've known Mm -hmm. And just how dirty and gunked up my gun gets. And then after kind of, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> after watching that video about, I mean, even explains on like, you see how the smoke comes out the end of the barrel instead of right inside the chamber on like some Winchesters and stuff like that. And really keeps your gun a lot cleaner. Right. And, right. And that's like, I think that's a good selling point for a lot of people because you shoot enough shells, your gun's going to jam up with all that extra gunpowder in there. And I mean, Mm -hmm. that's just really cool. Right. Well, I think the, I think the biggest selling point of the shell is how good the shell is at killing less cripples, which to me, somebody would go, well, a box of boss number fives are, more expensive than my steel three inch twos I bought at one of the stores. I'm like, well, it's really not true because you're going to spend more shells killing the same amount of birds. Like take take this take your out on water. Yeah. Cripple a bluebill on the water. And you're gonna try to kill that bluebill, cripple bluebill on the water with three inch twos or three inch BBs, right? Yeah. How many sh- how many shells do you think you're gonna shoot at it? Oh, I mean, when we diver hunt, you'll shoot three times on the water and it still won't kill right. it. Right. Okay, so what I'm saying is, why don't you just shoot a boss and kill it one time? Yeah. Okay, so what shell's more expensive? Oh, yeah, exactly. The, ones the steel gonna... one is, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. The only time the steel is, is cheaper 
is the moment you pay for it, pick it up and buy it at the store and pay for it. It's the only from that point forward, they become more expensive. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fact. Oh yeah. And like you were saying, I mean, you're gonna shoot a bluebill on the water, like the amount of shells that you're gonna run through your gun and throughout the entire line of guys trying to shoot at ducks tripled and then they're diving right. underneath the water and then you're right. losing more birds and mm-hmm. like, right. oh yeah that that's a great selling point and then i mean you think about how much money you would save on that it just or even like shooting in the field too like the amount of birds you're going to sail into another field or whatnot instead mm-hmm. of just putting that pound on them right away right yeah that's yep. a great deal that's right yep and then i really it's cool how you guys have like the bags instead of selling boxes what kind of made you do that well i mean I the fact that we can sell direct to consumer so we don't need the box at retail mm-hmm. when you buy shells what do you do with them throw them in you your keep them in. yeah well and then what do you do with the box <laughs> throw it away get rid of it right they get wet they get wet they fall apart i mean there's all kinds of stuff that happens right so yeah. just i don't know why we we thought maybe people would love the you know we call them the money bag that canvas bag and you know then you have something cool for a long long time you know and they get cooler with use age yeah. you know way cooler in a box Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like you're saying, mm. I mean, your box gets wet and then your shells start to rust or whatever. Um, yeah. They disintegrate. Yeah. The, well, the boxes disintegrate. Yeah. I mean, they fall apart. Right. And for those water hunters, I mean, that's what you're dealing with all the time. Right. Yep. Just your box, exactly. box, box falls mm-hmm. apart right in the blind or whatnot, right in the boat, and then shells are everywhere. And yeah, that's, that's sweet. I really like that idea on how to right. do that canvas bag. That's, something not many people have i mean i would have never thought of something like that no nobody has yeah <laughs> like that's just that's, that's really neat but um yep that's total boss right there yep total boss i love it total boss yep and with the copper plated i mean how what made you move over that way instead of the steel is that just kind of it kills better well, just way yeah, not even close not even comparable yeah so just better at killing we hate triples hate them heard that hate hate triples and losing losing birds so no yeah Mm. i mean you got some great guys like Corey. um he's very uh determined on the boss shot shells when we were out there he was telling me a lot i was informed quite a bit on um how they run and how they shoot and that was cool to hear about that. I mean, even those snow geese, I mean, some of them, you're shooting tall sometimes and might sail some. I mean, we saw quite a few sail out of the way, and it's just like, oh, well, now you got to go chase down a cripple 400 yards away. Right. <laughs> but, yep. Yeah, that, that's awesome. And then is there, uh, with your lifetime and experience um, in the waterfall industry, on uh, seeing, like, youth come up, and hunters now in general do you think that there's you know more i don't want to say more hunters because i mean you look at the um statistics on like less licenses being sold in arkansas and whatnot Mm -hmm. um but i feel like it's just a lot more 
killers now more than ever. Like they're just... I think people are more effective at killing. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. Yeah. As it's... a whole, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, yeah, you see all these guys on Instagram and whatnot just lining up piles of birds. But then you mm-hmm. also think of, like, how many hunters are actually getting out um, that aren't showing it and how many youth are coming up. And it's right. just like, I feel like that's kind of a lost thing. Because even in high school, I mean, the amount of people that hunted in uh, Lakeville North was, like, very little. Like, you're kind of an oddball out if you hunted it and you don't, like, play sports <laughs> or whatnot. And I played hockey and golf and whatnot. But, I mean, it was like, huh, people are hunting. That's kind of, or, like, for me, it was like, oh, you aren't playing a sport all the time in the fall or whatnot. Like, you should be playing football or something like that. And right. the hunting, I feel like, is kind of getting lost just by my point of view on what I've seen throughout high school and middle school. But now, as you get it to an older age, I get a bunch of people that are messaging me from high school saying, hey, could you take me out duck hunting? Like, so I don't know. It's kind of a weird deal on that. Right. Well, what do you think about that? I mean, it's, I feel like people aren't growing up. I mean, especially where we're at, it's a lot of suburbs and Mm -hmm. everyone's kind of, you play three sports or whatnot. And that's just kind of what you do um, where we were at at least. And then for me, it was like, well, I got into hunting at an early age, so that's once it lights up, like that's what you do. And right. I don't know. It was just kinda kinda mm-hmm. neat to see about that. And then I always try to uh take some buddies out now. I mean, I've got buddies that just one of my buddies, he shot his first goose this year and now he bought a shotgun. He's like, Yeah, I can't I can't go out there and use yours anymore. I gotta I gotta get my own. I'm dialed in. Mm-hmm. And good, fun. That sounds fun. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it'll be a good time. But at the, I want to dig into the game fair, too, on uh, what you guys are going to be doing at the game fair for Boss Shot. What are we going to be doing? Are you guys going to be, are you guys going to be selling shells there, too? Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, it'll be fun. We're, we're looking forward to it. We love game fair. Yeah. Oh, it's a, it's a blast. Anoka. Noka really has a great spot up there. Mm-hmm. But uh, yep. yeah, no, it's it's always fun. Gotta bring some buddies up there, go try out a bunch of new calls and shells and bring your dogs. That's the fun part about it is you can bring your dog around and just walk around with your dog. Right. Do you have a dog yeah, that a, you hunt with? Oh yeah. I have a lab. Yep. Lab. I always have a dog or two. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Where do uh do you do training yourself or get someone else to do it or whatnot well i mean i do a lot of the early work and young work with the, when they're young but then tom dock and takes tom takes my dog okay yeah yeah docking yeah over at horse yep. hunt oak no oak ridge kennels and oh yeah 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah i got you yeah I've yep. heard, i had a buddy that used to work for him over there kind of help out a little bit um land informant back in the day but yeah, they they got some great dogs over there. Oh, oh, really good. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you bring your dog along when you go hunt? Like out of in course. other states and stuff like that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He goes wherever I go. Oh yeah. I don't go anywhere without my dog. That's awesome. Yeah. And then Mm-mm. for your family members as well. Um how do you kind of I kind of want to say parent on getting people kind of out hunting on as as a parent um what have you seen from that aspect i rephrase that for me so like for people that um want to start taking their kids out and stuff on different types of hunts um have you have you brought hunting into your family life a lot oh it's it's a huge part of my family yeah Always has been. I grew up on a, like I said, I grew up on a hunting and fishing resort in northern Minnesota. My brothers, sisters, all my family, my children. I mean, yeah, hunting and fishing is a huge part of our life. You yeah. bet. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's that's a great thing to hear. Um, on you know, getting your kids out, and I think with mm-hmm. COVID, that's been a big play on from all the guides and people I've talked to on people are now allowed to work from home and kind of rebring that back into their life in an aspect because they don't have mm. to go into work every day and they're able to kind of rebring yeah. themselves into the hunting industry. Mm-hmm. I think that I, th- I do. I, that definitely happened this year. And that's, I mean, that's just really cool to see. Maybe if they uh, would have kept working, they wouldn't have been able to bring their kid out on certain hunts or whatnot. And uh, yep. That's kind of really neat to see. Mm-hmm. And COVID, it's been, it's been tough. It's been, it's been weird. But for the hunting industry, I feel like it's been a nice thing to have opened up. Uh, like right. just being able to, you know, get out. Everybody wants to get out of their house. This is the big thing. And yes. Then, no like, doubt about that. Even in Minnesota, like you just got everybody kind of locked up in a sense but i mean right it's been it's been weird for sure and how people are i mean if you want to you know choose how you want to live or whatnot um kind of to each his own but it's been neat it's yeah been, been something I, else definitely every people being home dads being home and i know like i remember back in the opening of fishing season at what we sold a hundred and 50,000 more fishing licenses on opening day that we did the year before. I mean, it's just, again, I'll go back to getting people out, you know, making opportunities so people can get out and do it. I think it's the most important thing. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I kind of wanted to dig into the Stamp It Forward project with you on how you got connected (laughs) with that. Uh, Sam Soholt. Yeah. Good buddy of mine. We actually had a conversation a couple of summers ago at Game Fair, and he had that idea. And I'm like, "Yeah, dude, I'm all over, you know." So, all over it. Anything I can do to help, and Boss can do to help conservation and habitat, and people that have little programs like that, we're we're all in on that. Yeah, because I mean that's been a great thing to bring conservation to life on. Uh, through him and mm-hmm. stamp it forward and through you guys. That's yeah, been... the migratory migratory bird stamp program's huge. Ninety ninety eight percent of that migratory bird stamp goes back to work, goes into the ground. Yeah. That's yeah. So oh, and that's a great that's a, gr- that's a great one. 
Yeah. And how do you feel like um, Minnesota's done on their public lands? Because, I mean, I've heard some different things from Nick Johnson from just seeing on how we kind of put our money back into conservation. He was kind of talking about on they really bank on like the nesting ground or like the nesting areas, stuff like that, bringing conservation back, but then not really um, in those WPAs and stuff, not having like a super great source of food and whatnot on certain areas. Um, like to be able to keep killing ducks in the fall on those areas, but they do a great job for the nesting in the spring. I don't know. I, I, I can't answer that one. I don't know enough about that. Yeah. I don't know enough about that. Yeah. Well, that kind of piqued my interest a little bit on what kind of mm. Nick does on maybe a different thought process because he's always doing that research about mm-hmm. habitat and all that yep. kind of stuff. Yeah. Yep. He's into that. Yep. Yeah. And it's yeah. interesting to see on like all the guys that are building habitat now for like, flooded corn and whatnot and seeing how that's affected maybe a couple flyways here and there um i don't know i mean from the guys that i've talked to on maybe holding some birds more now than ever in the midwest what do you what do you think why do you think that is uh i mean if you have flooded corn and you have everything right there for them i Mm -hmm. feel like why would they want to leave? They don't. Yeah. <laughs> they don't. They don't unless they're froze out. They don't. Yeah. Flooded corn flooded corn is going to become like the biggest hot topic in waterfowling. Yeah. No doubt about it. It's gonna and it's gonna be very opinionated. Oh, oh absolutely. I mean, we see it better than anyone because of how much ice we get here. And then the ducks will stay as long as they can. Like they'll stay on right. the rivers, whatnot. And then you play flooded corn into the mix, and it's like, okay, well, if it's open with the, uh, you know, the ice eaters and whatnot. I mean, why would they want to leave? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. That's been kind of a, kind of a thing that I've always thought about in the back of my mind a little bit on for those guys down in Arkansas and whatnot. On, I mean, how many birds are really moving through? Well, like I say, you're going to, like, region by region, you're going to start hearing more about that all the time. It'll become a major hot button. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, if you're, I mean, if you have the money to go do it, great. Like, go build yourself your dream place. But it's kind of, you know, maybe switching some flyways up a little bit on how they're going to move around through the waterfall season. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. I mean, is there any other subjects that you think that are kind of touchy like that that you've seen just through your? Oh, experience? I think, I think, I think, I think that's the big one. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's the big one. Yeah, because I mean, like, yeah, when we have corn that's flooded up here, when it gets a wet year, like last year was very dry, but right. when we get those flooded cornfields, like that's you can go hunt that multiple days in a row. And you can consistently right. keep shooting birds out of there. Mm-hmm. And the amount of time that you just pull up and they're still in there that night and they just feed all night. 
they just don't want to leave. And right. the nocturnal thing too, I've heard a lot about from the Arkansas guys, um, just on seeing how these birds are starting to feed more at night. Yep, they are. It's a fact. Yeah. They're just getting smarter yep. and smarter by the day. Mm, they also have major, major expanses of flooded crop down there, corn. Yeah. Well, that, that really, really adds to making ducks nocturnal. Yeah. You know, that pressure, I mean, that's what does it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, pressure is a huge thing. I mean, even this year is the first time I've ever experienced this. Um, we pulled up to a field at like 4.30 in the morning. Geese were still feeding out in it. Like, and we're like, all right, well, I guess that kind of ruins our hunt. <laughs> right. Yep. <laughs> like the amount of pressure that we get. I mean, we've we've noticed that quite a few people like to hunt around here. I mean, I got for opener of goose, I got turned down like 52 times on because people are already hunting within a two-week span of asking permission right and yeah i don't know it's it's kind of interesting to see how many more people hunt um like in this area more than they do i mean a lot of people hunt up in lakeville don't get me wrong but i was able to uh maybe just by you know living up there and knowing more people but it's just like a lot a lot more people are getting out here around around here at least and hunting and so it's been, mm-hmm. it's been cool. I kind of wanted to ask you about Canada a little bit too, on what you've uh, seen up there for like waterfowl and the hunting that you've done. Has it changed at all? Um, oh, what a lot. you've seen in the past? Oh, yeah, major, big time. What have you big noticed? Big time changes. Well, I mean, back in the. Oh. I mean, the, what I've noticed, the amount of pressure from guides and outfitters and pressure on mallards on their food every day. Yeah. That, that's, that number is way different than it used to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, everyone wants to start hunting fields more than ever. I mean. That's, yeah, that's what, that's it. Yep. So, I mean, I'm not saying one way or one way, good, bad, indifferent, one way or the other. But if you, the question was, what have I seen that's different? That's what's different. Layout blinds, spinners, hunting birds on the greenheads, ducks on their food every day. That just in the 70s, 80s, it's, you didn't, that's not how you hunted. Yeah. And I mean, you even right? see that, like, I mean, they're getting hunted all year round with snow goose hunters too as well on their way back up they're not getting mm-hmm. shot at but their food's getting hunted right and that's just like that's a big thing for them and so that's mm-hmm. gonna, that's gonna cool because yeah i mean i talked to my grandpa and all they used to do is water hunt up in canada like that was that was the thing they'd go hunt a right. big lake or whatnot and then right you'd never think about hunting a field because right when we started hunting he's like what you're going to on a cornfield what the hell are you doing out there <laughs> right <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh yeah no it's kind of interesting to hear about that on just different ways on different generations of people hunting and 
kind of being able to experience that. Because like you're saying, I mean, now they got spinners, layouts, A-frames, and so many different types of decoys that you can't even wrap your head around. Right. And it'll be interesting to see on what the new uh, new thing that's going to come up next. Like the A-frames are now getting big, and they'll see how long that lasts on when the birds finally realize on, okay, don't want to go right on the edge too close or don't want to set up right in the middle of the field and whatnot. Right. So, and so I don't, I don't know. It'll be, uh, it'll be fun to hear about that and all that kind of good stuff. But do you do, uh, do you do like artwork as well? Mm, yeah. A little bit. Yeah, I used to. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I draw and, I still do and do a lot of logo design and design in the outdoor world for companies and yeah. Yep. Do you ever mm-hmm. do you ever like trace any of your old images that you like to do that with? No, 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 no. I don't do that. No. Okay. Uh. Uh-uh. I just draw. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yep. That's that's sweet. Well, uh, the I got to uh, jump on another call here, um, but I wanted to say. Thanks for jumping on, chatting with me. It was an honor to get you on. Thank you. We covered, I'm glad you had me. We covered the math. We yeah, we did of... quite a bit there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, it'll be great to get down over to Game Fair, meet you, and uh, yeah. maybe we can even Stop do a... in and see us for sure. Yeah, maybe even a live podcast with all the guys. It'd be fun. Yep. But It'd be fun. I appreciate it, Lee. Thank you once again. All right. Hey, you have a good one. Thanks for having me on. Bye. Bye. And that wraps things up today for Living the Guide Life. Mr. Lee Chost was an absolute pleasure to have on. Super cool to hear his insight on Minnesota wildlife photography, some of the work he's done for the brands that he works with, as well as what goes all around in Boss Shot. And, I mean, like I said, they're a great company. They, they're really meant to kill. Like we talked about it. If you think about how many times you're hunting divers and you shoot them once, they go land in the water and then you have to throw out three more shots. If you think about the pricing, it's cheaper to buy boss than it is to just regularly shoot the shells that are going to, you know, maybe jam up your gun a little bit and make them a really dirty because boss has really clean shells. That's what they're known for. They're meant to kill. And it was super cool to hear kind of his insight on all that. Um, I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. I know I did. And I hope you guys have a great week.